Hi, everyone, and welcome to Unpopular Opinion. I'm your host, Marina Payne. I'm an accredited practicing dietitian, and this podcast is going to help us navigate through all things dieting, weight, and health. Three quite complex topics, um, but I'm super excited to bring this podcast to you all. So I'm currently in Melbourne. It's sort of the perfect time to start a podcast with the new stage four restrictions in place. To all Melbournians, I hope you're doing okay, staying safe and coping as well as you can with the constant changes. It's a crazy time and I guess all we can do is just keep plodding along. So why have I made this podcast? Well, I'm a non-diet or anti-diet dietitian, which means I don't believe in prescribing diets or meal plans intended for weight loss. There's, I think, quite common knowledge around the fact that they're unsustainable, but I also believe they do more harm than good, if there's anything good that comes from it, and that they're not conducive to achieving true health. Now, when I talk about true health, I'm talking about what's going on on the inside of your body rather than focusing on weight. Internal health markers can give us more insight into our health like cholesterol, blood sugar levels, blood pressure, and even things like energy levels and your bowel function. For example, like how many times you're going to the toilet a day, is this normal for you? Is this abnormal? Like let's let's expand on that. Focusing on weight as sometimes the only marker of health is getting us into trouble. At this point you might be, you know, you might have a lot of questions of how, why, where's the evidence? But don't you worry, we'll be going into all of this in future episodes. To become a dietitian, I went through four years of university study. So this training was very much weight focused. We were definitely trained to help people lose weight, to minimize their health risks and manage disease, even when the method of achieving that weight loss was quite elusive. Now, I can just remember myself in some lectures going, what is going on? Like, what if they don't lose weight? Like, do I just keep restricting their energy intake. Um, that was just how puzzled I was. But I did have one lecture out of however many lectures you have in four years that blew my mind. It was all about the non-diet approach, and this was exactly the content I had been looking for. Fiona Sutherland, a highly regarded non-diet dietitian who specializes in eating disorders, particularly binge eating disorder disorders, gave this lecture and I was in awe. Like I always knew there was something that didn't sit well about being in the dietetic field. Um, but it was the fact that I think it was the fact that we were suggesting no matter the context or situation, if you lose weight, you'll be a healthier, happier person. And this never really fit my own personal beliefs. Um, as well as, you know, coming from my own past experience as well. Um, it took me a little bit more time after this lecture had happened to fully appreciate and understand the non-diet approach, but it's something I've never been able to dismiss or turn away from since. So let's get the show on the road. So this episode is called Dismantling Diet Culture. Pre-warning, this will continue throughout so many episodes of this podcast, um, but we definitely had to unpack diet culture in episode one. So diet culture is a system of beliefs. For a lot of people, it's a part of their core beliefs. Um, and your core beliefs are really hard to shift or change. Um, and that's really something that you need to keep in mind. Diet culture values thinness and it equates thinness to health, but also moral virtue, meaning, you know, if you're thin, we can assume you have strong willpower. If you're thin, you have self-control. If you're thin, you're generous. If you're thin, you're honest. Um, and if you're thin, you're patient. 
if you're not thin, well, the assumptions are definitely not as glowing. This to me is problematic because people start believing there is something inherently wrong with them, who they are as a person because they don't meet the thin ideal. We then have diet culture promoting weight loss as a means to attaining a higher status. This reinforces the fact that if you're thin, you'll gain more respect. If you're thin, you'll be more highly regarded. If you're thin, people will actually listen to you more. Again, problematic. It's no wonder people invest so much time, energy, and money into controlling weight. We're dealing with someone's social status in society. Diet culture demonizes certain ways of eating whilst elevating others. So this causes obsession and a heightened anxiety around food and feeling ashamed for some of our food choices, if not most. We eat three or more times a day. So you can imagine, you know, being so enthralled with our food. There's absolutely no time for anything else. There goes self-care and anything pleasurable that just all flies out the window. Again, problematic. Finally, we have the oppression of anyone who doesn't meet that thin ideal. Oppression isn't a term we use that often in Australia, but it absolutely translates to the unfair treatment of larger people in many settings. This is just plain damaging for both mental and physical health. Now, let's just touch on mental health. Um, I think we've made a lot of progress in accounting for mental health when we look at health as a whole, but for some reason, the negative you know, mental health impacts from lack of enjoyment of food, food restriction and food obsession aren't as emphasized. It's clear that society still normalizes being hypervigilant around food. It's not only normalized, it's praised. You know, oh, like congratulations for restricting today. You've got such great willpower. You know, that's sort of the stuff that's said all the time. Um, And it's just where diet culture gets it so wrong. Food is socialization. It's a sense of community and family or cultural tradition. Only focusing on physical health when it comes to food is dangerous. Now, it gets a little bit murky here. You don't have to be in an official diet to be immersed in diet culture. It can be idolizing a person's diet or lifestyle based on their appearance, um, weight, thinness, anything like that. Or it's, you know, claiming the it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle motto where clean eating, detoxes or cleanses in pursuit of weight loss are worshipped. Elimination diets have become so popular. I mean, it's mainly through carbohydrate, dairy and gluten avoidance. Um, The reasons for avoidance is usually something to do with, you know, health in quotation marks. But when you dig deeper, you find that the ideal body and changing of appearance is actually the real goal. We see that diet culture normalizes commentary on weight loss. It normalizes constantly pursuing weight loss. It normalizes ignoring body diversity. It normalizes the idea that more exercise and less food is normal and encouraged by family, friends, loved ones, even medical professionals. It normalizes constantly being dissatisfied and even hating our bodies. It normalizes social media and influences having more power to create change than scientific evidence. And it normalizes being scared of fatness and believing that being fat is the worst thing in the world. Look, I've heard the phrase, you know, but I'm just trying to be healthy when defending like certain ways of eating, let's just say restrictive ways of eating, so many times. 
But I ask myself, and I want you to ask yourself, if weight loss was never promised or controlling weight wasn't a factor, would people still be going on diets? Honestly, I don't think so. For many people, appearance can be just as important, if not more so than health. And look, (laughs) it's totally understandable. Look at the world we live in. I'm not sure if it became superficial or shallow to give the I just want to be thinner spiel or because more evidence came out about the negative impacts of dieting, but health was suddenly used as the default or more widely accepted answer to mask the true intentions of changing one's appearance. There are several cases, absolutely so many cases, where a diet has been proven to be beneficial in managing or treating medical conditions. For example, removing gluten for those with celiac disease or going on a short-term low FODMAP diet to manage irritable bowel syndrome symptoms. Even then, the influence of diet culture can interfere with the true intention of these diets and it morphs it into something that it wasn't designed to be. I find myself as a dietitian being so acutely aware of a client's relationship with food when these diets are indicated because I don't want to heighten or trigger disordered eating behavior. When immersed in diet culture, the diet mentality presents itself. So this is how we take all of the messages of diet culture that are around us and apply them to our own bodies and others, to our own thoughts around food, body, weight, and to our behaviors. Unfortunately, this mentality is everywhere. It's infiltrated so many areas of our lives without us fully realizing. Our basic social interactions, even small talk, has been laced with the diet mentality. I'm sure everyone listening has heard someone say something like, oh, I'm going for a run after this. Got to burn off that muffin. I just ate. And suddenly you feel so miserable about yourself. Or, ew, I look fat. I'm not going to eat anything until dinner. Or, oh my gosh, I've just ruined my whole day by eating that. I might as well just eat everything. My The thing that grinds my gears, oh my gosh, the most, is it is when so- you're sitting at the dinner table and someone just goes, wow, you have such a big appetite tonight. This is just judgment. This is just absolute judgment. Oh, I'm sorry, does my hunger annoy you? It's just unnecessary commentary that distances ourselves from more from being able to trust our body. Something I've witnessed quite a few times is when, you know, you're going to a social event or you're going out, you're going out to a club or a bar, it's going to be a big night. Um, and this whole experience actually completely revolves around the food that will be had at the end of the night. Now, I can already tell people are going to be like, look, that's normal. You know, when you're drunk, you just want those types of foods. Sh- like, sure, sure. I agree, but I've definitely seen it as a time where a restrictive eater will only let go of their food rules when their inhibitions have completely dropped. When the only time you have permission to eat something that's considered bad is when you're in an altered state of consciousness, it's time to ask yourself, what the heck is going on here? Even if people or society might not show this same concern for this behavior. The next day you wake up, you have a hangover, you're already at a heightened level of anxiety, but you continue to beat yourself up over the chips, which inevitably leads to another prolonged period of food restriction. Diet culture, the diet mentality rears its head in so many, many, so many, many, many different ways. 
once you grasp what diet culture is, you'll be able to, I guess, identify all the ways it presents itself in our lives, making it, mm, I guess, easier to push back against it, rejecting the diet mentality and shutting it out. I would 100% urge you to unfollow anyone on social media who is promoting weight loss. Um, this is, you know, something that you can sort of control. You can control what's coming on your feed and Instagram, Facebook. Um, you can shut that stuff out. So definitely it's a good start. Um, I also wanted to do a quick plug for Christy Harrison's book, Anti-Diet. She's a highly regarded intuitive eating anti-diet dietitian who advocates for health at every size. The book is amazing. Have a read. It's so worth it. Um, And thank you for listening to this episode of Unpopular Opinion. (laughs) 